They fashioned languages and customs as varied as the feathers of the birds, yet between them ran spiritual roots buried deep in the earth. And then, after centuries beyond number, the white man came in search of wealth and power. Two million Indians would endure four centuries of struggle before the sun finally set upon their free dominion. These European settlers came in wave upon wave to occupy Native American lands. In the bellies of their ships, the Europeans carried horses, guns, and disease. And in their hearts, they carried a belief in their destiny to rule the Americas from the Atlantic to the Pacific. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, we did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. I refer first to the need for far greater public information. To the need for far greater official secrecy. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen, and here we are. You're wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? When I hear your new ideas, I'm reminded of that ad. Where's the beat? They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. Well, Governor, we also have fewer forces and bayonets because the nature of our military has changed. We have these things called aircraft carriers where planes land on them. When we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. The Iroquois of upstate New York were a unique confederation of six Indian nations. Their great law of peace attracted the attention of American colonists who were forging their own new country. In upstate New York lies a land where a hundred rivers and lakes weave through dense green forests and misty languid swamps. Towering above this lush landscape are the smoky heights of the great Adirondack Mountains. This is the land where the people of the Longhouse, the mighty Iroquois nation, took root. The Iroquois were a powerful confederacy of five separate Indian nations, and in their time were among the most feared and dominant Indians in North America. Their unique confederation was a model of democracy. Some have even said that parts of our own constitution were borrowed from the Iroquois great law of peace. But the five nations of the Iroquois didn't always live in peace. Before they came together, 
These nations, the Mohawk, the Oneida, the Onondaga, the Cayuga, and the Seneca, were often at war with each other until by the 14th century their killing threatened to destroy them all. At this dreadful time, a great peacemaker came from the north proclaiming, the word that I bring is that all people shall love one another and live together in peace. Together with the great Mohawk chief Hiawatha, the peacemaker traveled to each of the five nations to proclaim his message. But within the Onondaga nation, there lived an evil chieftain named Tadadaho who terrorized his people with deadly magic. His face was cruel and his hair was matted like a mass of writhing snakes. He scorned these peacemakers. But finally, the peacemaker and Hiawatha held a council with Tadadaho and worked their own magic on him. They asked him to become the head chief of the new confederacy. Tadadaho agreed and the great peace was begun. Establishment of the Confederacy brought a newfound sense of security to the Iroquois. The times of peace were good and the Creator provided the people with their three sisters, corn, beans, and squash, to sustain them. The women of each clan were the farmers, and every spring they planted the three sisters in the fertile fields while the men hunted and fished in the forests and lakes that surrounded their land. Women held great power for the Iroquois traced their ancestry through their mother's lineage, and the headmothers, not the men, appointed the chiefs of each clan. Growing seasons ended with great festivals of thanksgiving, the gathering of maple sap, the harvest of berries and beans, and the cutting of the corn were all celebrated with feasts and religious dances. Iroquois history was recorded on wampum belts, woven with beads of shells, Every council decision and every treaty with the whites was sealed with an exchange of wampum. The dust band wampum was one of the most revered, brought out whenever the Iroquois constitution was recited. The founding of the Confederacy brought peace between the five nations and led to peace throughout the nations of the Northeast. But in the late 1600s, beaver skins were a prized commodity in Europe, rivaling the Europeans' lust for gold. Realizing this, the Iroquois sought to monopolize the trade in pelts. They played one European power against the other and dictated terms to other tribes eager to trade. They challenged their old enemies, the Mohicans, for the right to trade exclusively with the Dutch. Then they turned their attentions north, where the French were trading with the Hurons along the St. Lawrence. The Iroquois devastated the Hurons and absorbed many Hurons into their confederacy. Next, they turned west to the Erie nation. In a bloody three-year war, the Erie were defeated and also absorbed into the confederacy. Now expanding to the south, the Iroquois encountered the Tuscarora tribe in the Carolinas. The Tuscaroras were being driven from their lands by white settlers, so the Iroquois invited them into their great confederacy. The Tuscaroras migrated north and became the sixth nation of the Iroquois. By the mid-1700s, the Iroquois Great Law of Peace was attracting the attention of some of the most far-sighted American colonists. Benjamin Franklin, who worked as a British envoy to the Indians, was deeply impressed with the Iroquois form of government. His contributions to the U.S. Constitution may have come from the Iroquois principles. 
In 1763, the English beat the French and took control of all French holdings south of Canada. But trouble was brewing with the British colonies, and soon the Iroquois would be swept into the American Revolution. Formerly, the Iroquois had pledged to remain neutral in the Revolutionary War, but the Mohawk warrior Joseph Brandt convinced many of the Iroquois men to fight for the British. For the first time since the Great Peace, Iroquois fought Iroquois. The Mohawks, Senecas, Cayugas, and Onondagas fought with the British, while the Oneidas and Tuscaroras sided with the colonies. When the English finally fell in 1783, the new United States of America treated the entire Iroquois Confederacy as a conquered nation, forcing the Iroquois to surrender most of their territory. Now, much of the precious land that sustained their life for a thousand years was gone, and the scourges of reservation life appeared. Drinking and idleness led to violent fights between once proud warriors, in their poverty, they were forced to sell even more of their land. The whites had finally robbed them of their pride and dignity. By the end of the 18th century, the spirits of the Iroquois people had fallen to new depths. At this dark hour, an unlikely prophet came to them. Handsome Lake, a Seneca chief and a notorious drunk, fell one day into a stupor so deep his pulse stopped. Moments later, Handsome Lake awoke from near death and revealed a great vision. Three messengers came with a command from the Creator. These messengers condemned whiskey, abortion, and witchcraft, and called for a return to the old ways of living before the whites came. The Iroquois people were profoundly affected, and his teachings became known far and wide as the Longhouse religion. But the displacement of the Iroquois from their land continued. Tragically, between 1830 and 1846, the U.S. government carried out the removal of Indians west of the Mississippi. In spite of a series of land swindles and broken treaties, the Iroquois managed to hold on to small parcels of their land in New York and Canada. By the mid-1800s, the Iroquois were adapting to the white man's culture. A few children attended school off the reservations, and some Iroquois were finding their way into the American mainstream. Eli S. Parker, a well-educated Seneca, enlisted in the Army during the Civil War and rose to the rank of Brigadier General. As Ulysses S. Grant's secretary, Parker wrote out the surrender document signed at Appomattox Courthouse. After the war, when Grant became president, he appointed Eli Parker as the first Native American Commissioner of Indian Affairs. Today, the rich legacy of the Iroquois lives on. The great confederacy of six nations not only stamped its mark on American history, but also influenced the U.S. Constitution. The Iroquois also gave the country of Canada its name, from their word meaning community. The people of the Longhouse, once the mightiest confederation of Indians in North America, continue to burn their council fire and to hold on to their sacred unity. In that council flame burns the memory of a thousand struggles and the sacrifice of countless chiefs and clan mothers who fought to keep their people free. These stories 
stories tell only a part of the American Indian's history. Yet, they paint a picture of the vastness of their domain, the depth of their beliefs and hopes, and the brave defiance of these men and women as they walked into the evening of their time of freedom on this earth. Thank you for listening to Public Access America. Produced by Public Access Pod. Discover great new playlists on SoundCloud at at Public Public Access Access America. America. Discover our catalog of vintage videos on YouTube at at Public Public Access Access America. America. And finally, Finally, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts Podcasts or anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. This This has been been Public Public Access Access America. America. History in the making. Making history in the making.